Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and this show is called the Your Life, Your Term Show for a reason. That is the purpose behind what we are doing here at Rockstar. And on today's episode, we interview Carlo Batara. Carlo, Carlo and I crossed paths. I guess he was in his uh, mid to late 20s. He's been with Rockstar doing his thing in a very unique way, in a good way, um, since then. And he's someone who was born in the Philippines. His family left the Philippines. Um, they were somewhere in Africa for a little while. Then they made their way to Los Angeles. Then after Los Angeles, they ended up in Toronto. Um, you know, he had some challenges in, in grade school and in high school. Um, he went to high school in Mississauga. Um, he then stumbled into real estate and started making great money in real estate and really was living life on his terms because he had a, a good amount of money to be able to do it at that, at that time. Um, and I just kind of really enjoyed his story. It's, it's a story of someone who's finding his own way and his own path in life. And it's definitely not the societal norm, Carlos path, but he's a, a great guy with a good heart. Um, so we're kind of thrilled to be share that, sharing this with you. If you have any, you know, kids, um, I guess two things you should know about. If you have any kids who are maybe in their teenage years, this might be something interesting to you because it's a younger guy sharing his story, how he's finding his path through life. He definitely swears in this episode. So if you have any younger kids in the car, if you're listening to this, be aware that there definitely is swearing in this episode. So just as a, a brief heads up. Um, and, you know, if, if you want any other information, if you listen to Carlo's story and you want to hear about how other people are living life on their terms, we have this book. It's called Your Life, Your Terms, The Steps Canadians Are Taking to Live Life on Their Terms. We give away a free copy. We actually sell it on Amazon, but we give away a free copy at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. So if you listen to Carlo's story and you're wondering how other people are living life on their terms that are of different backgrounds and of different ages, you know, older than Carlo, um, some younger than Carlo, you can pick up that book. Um, it's called Your Life, Your Terms. We give away a free digital copy of, of it at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. So um, with that, let's get over to Carlo's story. I really think you're going to enjoy this. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. So let me just start um, with what did you exactly post on what 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 video are you asking me to watch? Oh no, I just posted a video on the Rockstar Entrepreneur Group thing. Okay, um, which we, is a private Facebook group. So if someone's yeah. listening to this, it's not really open widely. But I'm yeah. curious, what did you post on that group? Oh, I just posted what we talked about like a week ago. When um, remember I was talking about how you were like, you know, I have 45 minutes to write this email. Whatever happens, happens. If it's a shit email, I have to do better next time but it's going out so my like what I curated it to be was um, consistency is more important than perfection because sometimes you know a lot of people myself included would I won't post something or I won't send something out because it's not perfect yet but then a month passes I'm like well I should have put that shit out do you know what I mean and then just put shit out and, and consistency better than like perfect um, content. Do you think you've gotten past that now? Like, is that something you just are okay with now? Like, yes, just get it done. Cause it took me years to figure out like, 
the consistency is more important than getting it perfect. But yeah. I used to freak out on the perfect so much so that when we put out our first book, it was full of uh, grammatical errors and spelling errors. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone read it and they corrected it for us and sent it back to us a little <laughs> negatively saying, I'll never do business with you guys because of the way your book's written. And it was like we had a free editor. That's because they had edited awesome. the whole book, so then we made all the corrections, and yeah. it's been great ever since. Um, but have you gotten past that? Like, will you just put out stuff, or do you still struggle Not with that? Not fully, but I, it's it's definitely gotten to the point where, like, yesterday I had a discussion with uh, some guys in the team, and I was like, um, they're, they're asking me to look at stuff, and I'm like, I don't want to look at it because I think I want to micromanage it, but then when I look at it, I'm overwhelmed. I'm like, fuck it, just do whatever. Um, one of these five is perfectly fine, and just do it. Um, and, and what's that? Because what are you working on right now? Um, how much, I don't know how much you were. I don't even know what I'm doing right now. I'm just trying to have some fun. But you uh, are. No, but yeah, I know you say that and it yeah. is good to say it that way. But you do because uh, you're showing that you don't care about it too much. But, yeah. Uh, but you are putting stuff together. You have a, Is it a Shopify store that you're putting oh, together? Oh, so there's there's like, okay, now that you're like reminding me of the stuff that I'm doing. So yeah, there's, there's an Amazon store that we have a Shopify store too. So so building some private label stuff um, and doing some drop shipping stuff. Um, I didn't talk a lot about it, about it in uh, at the summit because I told Nick actually, and he started laughing. And I was like, "Oh, a lot of it is kind of illegal. Um, not illegal. It's just copywritten stuff. Like we were selling some Disney stuff and shit without licensing. And yeah, stuff like <laughs> yeah. And did you decide to stop doing that? No. Uh, well, we now we're doing too many things. So it's okay. like, okay, we gotta cut it down a little bit but uh literally just trying to ride waves of disney things like uh like incredibles 2 came out and trying to sell that like watches and all that stuff through drop shipping and i had no idea you were doing that kind of stuff yeah so it's like just trying to ride a wave of like disney is amazing so trying to catch like um yeah sure it's in the news yeah. it's, it's the trend and you're selling it so are and you past that wave uh a little bit but we're still we're still messing with it just tweaking it um so we did um we made some fake uh, shout outs. No, I don't know what to call them, but like we made some fake ads where, what's his name? Like Logan Paul and shit would be wearing our watches and stuff and be like, yo, when you make 10 million bucks, but you still want a free watch. And, <laughs> and, and then he's watching know, the watch. Do people know it's a fake? Nope. Uh, <laughs> like we literally got like 500 visitors in a day just But aren't you going to get in trouble from doing both of the, these things? Probably. But, but this is your way of just kind of bootstrapping yourself up. Uh, that and it's more of like, just get the attention and see what happens. And um, you know what I mean? And you don't care? No, because it's not like this is carlobatara.com. It's like this is one of our just Disney. I'm not going to put the URL. Yeah, yeah, got it. Like it's like a random Disney store watch or some shit like that. Is that the actual But long term, if you, but if you, no, but this is interesting to me. But long term, if you continue down that particular, okay, so you're doing that just to see what happens. Yeah. But long term, if you continue down that strategy, you're not going to really build anything of lasting value. Absolutely. But you're doing it as little experiments to see what pulls and doesn't pull. Exactly. And then you can see what to focus on and not focus on. Yeah. And that is also like it was a curiosity thing from our team. From the team is like, hey, can we try this? Because, you know, the drop shipping stuff, it's it's really. um, Keep the mic nice and close like this. Yeah. It's um, it's really eye catching. Like, oh, shit, you can build a drop shipping store in like tw- two hours and okay, create some ads. Can you describe drop, drop shipping to everyone? Yeah. So drop shipping is basically contacting, you, you don't own, or you don't hold any inventory. So we'll build a site out, a Shopify site, and then you can even have a Shopify uh, store for free for 14 days or 30 days. And then you can contact manufacturers in China and literally set them up to be, hey, if anyone orders from our Shopify store, you ship it out. And people don't realize how cheap it can be 
Um, so for example, like we can do something. So you're not taking any product. You're building out the Shopify store. Yeah. You're promoting the products. Yeah. You're getting it all products shipped out from China directly. Mm -hmm. And then if a product pulls, will you ever consider holding your own inventory? Not you yourself personally, yeah. but in like some third party fulfillment center in North America or in Amazon's warehouses or stuff like that? Um, yes and no. Not in the strategy that we're using. Uh, not with the Disney stuff because it has to be licensed. Okay. But like Because the Disney stuff's not through Amazon. It's no. Through, yeah. Okay. That would make sense. So literally when, when I was in China last year, um, I remember I was just asking Brian and Greg like hey what about all this Disney stuff and they're like no you need licensing and I was like mm, okay and then so I didn't buy anything but when you drop ship the manufacturer sends it directly so I don't actually have I'm not gonna get in trouble because I'm not buying it I'm not bringing it to the United States and I'm not selling it so all we're doing is literally building a site getting attention to it them ordering it then contacting the manufacturer be like hey here's a list of people you need to send this shit to and that's it and then we get paid um, and Got it's, it. it's not a real, people make a lot of money off it, but it's yeah, not a real yeah, business. Yeah, like no, I, I know that kind of stuff's done all the time. I'm yeah. just thinking for your future and you long-term, I'm like, yeah. why would you focus your efforts on that? Just do something the right way and, uh, build it for the long term. Yeah. But I can see where you're like, I understand where you're coming from. It's just an itch to scratch. Yeah, yeah, got we it. We still have the private label stuff from Amazon that we are doing properly. What, what category rules. of product is that in? Um, so we're doing some stuff in baby stuff. And, okay. and uh, office stuff. Those are the two main ones. Like office supplies? Yeah, office supplies. And uh, that's interesting. Ba and, and the baby stuff and office supply stuff because you just found a little bit of like an arbitrage opportunity. Like yeah. A lot of people were searching for that kind of stuff. Not a lot of people are offering it. So you just exactly. to focus on that. So that's all data driven. Like, um, like you're saying, supply and demand. And there's not enough supply for a certain demand of a product or a certain type of thing. Um, and that's pretty much it. There's all, like I have a few other things that are just on the back burner, like the outdoor stuff. And this is fascinating to me. And then um, is that stuff through Amazon? Yeah, that stuff's through Amazon. And how are you finding, um, okay, so if that stuff's through Amazon, you're finding customers because it's on Amazon and people are searching yes. for that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's why the other stuff you mentioned, you had to do those promotional activities yes. you were talking about because you were trying to drive your own demand. Exactly. So you were trying to cut through the clutter and get some attention. Yeah. And when you say we, who are you talking about we? That's Andrew over here? We've got Andrew and then we have Manny and then we have Sarah and Just New and Ava. I, 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 you know what is interesting about you is that most people kind of struggle finding people to work with them and like hire people. Are, are mm -hmm. you, are you, uh, how do you find all these people? I don't know. Like man. How did Andrew get his sitting oh, right here? Man, this is crazy. So, so I know if you're listening to this, you can't see it, but Andrew's sitting yeah. right next to, uh, so Andrew, Carlo. Andrew's my right hand man right now. Manny's probably getting mad about that, but, uh, Andrew is my right hand man. And, um, well, we have mutual friends. But uh, what really? Oh, got it. Yeah, I remember you told me the yeah. story. It was the Gary Vaynerchuk event, exactly. Toronto. Yeah, yeah, got it. So I had a bunch of free. Uh, I had access to getting students in and some at-risk youth uh, in. And uh, well, the owner, like, they reached out to me or whatever. Some of the people that were speaking, and I was like, yeah, I can get some people. Um, you know, because I'm technically I was an at-risk youth. I still think I am, so maybe I'm not a youth, <laughs> but I'm just at risk. But um, wait a second. Why, so why were you an at-risk youth? Oh, I just didn't get caught. That's probably the only reason. So okay, let's back up a second. I'll come back to your team and Andrew in, in okay. a second here. But you came, you were born, you were not born in Canada. No. You were born where? In the Philippines. You were born in the Philippines. Yeah. Your parents made it over to the U.S. Yeah. Got kicked out of the U.S. But like from the Philippines, I believe we lived in Nigeria. My parents moved back and forth to Nigeria. Okay. My brother. Why Nigeria? Work? Yeah, work. What My, kind of work? Um, I don't know. 
Couldn't okay. tell you. Okay. And then from Nigeria, I believe we went to the uh, California for a bit. Okay. And you then stay in California. I know. I wish you I, seem like you belong in California. Yeah, that would have been you awesome. You can't see Carlo right now. If you're if you're listening to this, he's wearing a tank top and he surfs. So you belong <laughs> yeah. in California. Okay, but you were in California for until what age? I don't know either. Okay. I confuse all of like a lot of places, and I always have to ask my parents, like, "Hey, okay. what was this? Or where were we?" I don't know if I've ever asked you. Your parents are both still alive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. So it was young in California. Then they didn't have the right status, I guess, in the states, so exactly. they had to get. So Canada welcomed them. Yeah. And then you guys I moved to where in Canada? Uh, Mississauga. Mississauga. Here, Ontario, and Paisley. At uh, what age do you think? Mm, six. I don't know. Seven. Something six like that. Six or seven. When you got here, you were living where? Here, Ontario, and Paisley. In like, a, an apartment? Yeah, an apartment with like two of my other cousins. A three-bedroom apartment with two of my other cousins. Okay. And what did your parents do for money when they first got here? I actually don't know. Good question. I know. Um, I just remember my parents working all the time. Okay. And then me and my brothers and my cousins just watch each other. Got like it. we lived so in they a, weren't home. Yeah. And uh, we would work or uh, they would work. Um, the first job I can remember my mom having was at the bank. Actually, she used to be a crossing guard now that I remember that too. So she, she used to be a crossing guard. And then there was an, uh, my dad, I actually don't know. I know he was a trained accountant, but okay. I, I don't think he became an accountant right away. Okay. Um, and then... I also remember a pretty random story, which kind of fucks me up inside. Um, my parents used to work all the time, literally like at night and everything. And okay. I remember one night, I don't know where we were going. We used to go out at night, not go out, but then I was so young, we'd sleep in the car. And uh, I just remember one night waking up. And Wait, whose car were you sleeping in? My parents' car. Okay. Because they were out at night working. Yeah. So you would sleep in the car while they were working. Yeah. At the time, okay. I didn't know they were working. Okay. This and is then, in Mississauga somewhere. Yeah. Okay. I think. Yeah. And um, I just remember like going, waking up and I'm like, I actually have never told this story in public. So I just remember waking up and being like, I got to use the bathroom. My, my siblings are sleeping. I'm the youngest of four. And I'm like, where the fuck are we? And then uh, I look and then we're like in some parking lot of an industrial building. And I, my parents are cleaning the fucking office. So I'm like, oh, I guess my parents clean offices. I have no idea at night. And this is like, I don't know what time, 10 or 11 o'clock. Um, so then fast forward, we didn't have like, you know, then my parents had real jobs, but I remember my mom working at night a lot. And, uh, and I was young and I was like a mama's boy and stuff. So I always wanted my mom to come home. And, uh, but yeah, that, that was pretty much it. And then my mom started working at the bank um, then she got a regular day job type thing at the bank. So she was working nine to five. And then my dad got into the game of accounting and then he was just never home. So it sounds like a hardworking family. Why were you an at risk youth? Oh, because I was just bad at school and I was just doing dumb shit all the time. Like, okay, I just great like, school. And then high, what high school did you go to in Mississauga? Father Gates. You yeah. went to Gates. I didn't go to Gates. Yeah. Wow. And okay. So like I would do shit. Like I remember in elementary school, um, one of my friends discovered like that if we white out, for example, um, it if it drops from a high place, it explodes. Okay. So we stole all the white out in the, in the school. How high do you have to drop the white out? The second story. But then you also we also discovered if you throw it really hard at the wall, it explodes and it leaves like this really cool like splatter thing <laughs> yeah okay you and i definitely had different high school experiences and then, no, that's elementary sure. school that's <laughs> elementary school so even okay. in so this is one of the, so i went to a wedding last year or two years ago and 
one of my friends from grade six. I feel um, like if you and your, if we were the same age, we're very different ages. Yeah. You're early 30. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. mid 40s, but you and your friends would probably just beat me up. Maybe. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> I also remember blowing up my desk in grade five. What do you mean maybe? blowing, up, blowing your up your desk? Yeah, so uh, I actually forgot about the story. I went to a wedding like two years ago and then people that I knew from like grade five were like, yo, man, we haven't seen you since grade five. You left our school. They're like, you know what I remember you about? And I'm like, what? And he's like, yo, you blew up the desk. And I was like, oh, shit, I forgot I did that. So one morning, you know, you go you go to school and everyone's hanging out in the field or wherever you hang out. And then I found a battery, like a giant battery. And I was like, sick, I'm going to take this in my class. And I always sat in the back. And then I took scissors. And as class is going on, I'm cutting open the battery. Just like, uh, whatever, having fun, opening it up. I'm like, oh, shit, there's other batteries in here. And I created this whole setup in my desk. I took everything out. Like, I just put it in random places. And then recess happened. And I was so excited to go back in the class because I want to cut things further. And then all of a sudden, this shit fucking blew up. Literally blew up. And it was like, and everyone's looking at me. And I'm like, shit. And then I got sent home. Uh, they were like, you know, you could have got hurt, blah, blah, blah. So what uh, do you th- why do you think you were doing that stuff? Just the class wasn't interesting to you? I think so. I think I was just bored yeah. and uh, I couldn't Was that way you were getting attention? Like maybe your parents were so busy that you weren't getting attention at home. You wanted some attention. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Was it something like that? Yeah, like there's a lot of things that I'm starting to realize like from a psychological perspective. Okay. Probably has to do with that because I'm the youngest, even though I have a massive family. My mom has 11 brothers and sisters and my dad has like seven. Wow. And uh, I have a lot of cousins. And in my age group, I'm like by myself. So my, my older brothers are like five, six years older than me. And then some of my cousins who we used to live all together and stuff, they're like, so anywhere between four to seven years older than me. And then my sister, who's one year older than me, then I have a bunch of little cousins. So I was always by myself. Yeah, my sister it. had her, her cousins her age. So, okay. and then when I'm, so I'm 10 and I'm trying to hang out with my older brothers and cousins and they're 15 to 17. They're Got like, nah. okay. So maybe there was a little bit of like, Hey, I'm kind of a yeah. badass and maybe here's some stuff I'm up to or whatever. Maybe. But in high school, uh, okay. The, 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 the whiteout bottles that you exploded against the wall. And mm-hmm. then in high school, you made it through high school. I did make it through high school. Okay. I also beat up a bunch of French people. I remember in grade six, I was bad. Why did you beat up French people? Well, I went to Metro uh, Andre and then we decided, I don't know, like it was weird. I, uh, I don't know. We wanted was a to, French immersion school. There was, there was half and half. Okay. Well, like, there was a French immersion side. It was okay. very small. I'd say 10%. Um, and they had a, f- a soccer or a football one, one day. And then we started playing with them and we were killing them. They were like French okay. versus English. And they're like, Oh, the next day they're like, we don't want to play with you guys anymore. And I'm like, well, if you guys want to play with us, we're going to fucking tackle anyone who has the ball. And then, then, then we got into like massive fights. Um, so that, that's Dude, why. I guess when I, I met you, I guess when you were like 28 or 29. Something like that. Very different. You were, you're were a very different person by the time I met you. Yeah. Because I was trying to figure some shit out. Okay. I still am, but yeah. But uh, okay. So then all this kind of crazy shit. You, you graduate high school? I did graduate high school. So if we check, you've graduated yeah, high school? Yeah, I definitely graduated. Not that it matters at this point. But you... Uh, Okay, so then you you managed to get through high school. Yeah. Definitely some ups and downs during that whole process. Yeah. Um, but how did you, I'm curious, how does the transition happen from high school? And we're going to come back to Andrew and what you're doing now and stuff. But how, how does the transition from high school to real estate? Yeah, so it's really weird. So this is actually, I'll, I'll tell the long version, not super long. But um, when I graduated high school, it was the elimination of OAC. And it was like Got a double it. cohort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
they made us like choose. So we were the new curriculum, you know, the curriculum that Alex and Aiden, I'm sure yeah, are going yeah. through, like yeah. you have to choose like workplace at whatever college university type stuff, like courses. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And my mom, when I was in grade, literally in grade 10 or 11, they're making us choose what type of career you want for yourself at that age. And um, my mom was always saying that I wanted to be a dentist when I was a kid. And I was like, what the fuck? And so I talked to my guidance counselor and then I found out it would be like eight years until I become a dentist. And then I was like, well, I can't even take high school. Like this is driving me nuts. I can't go to school for another eight years or possibly 10 because he was saying, you know, with your grades, it'll probably be 10 or 11. And I'm like, fuck. And um, so long story short, I uh, ended up going into like dental hygiene okay. and I uh, got accepted for it. But the double cohort thing is really important because it was two years graduating at once. All trying to get into university at the same time. Yeah. And, or uh, college or basically every post yeah. high school program. And they can't accept double the amount of students. So um, I miss, I got accepted and I missed my payment date. And then when I missed my payment date, I was like, shit, my parents are gonna kill me. Why um, did you miss your payment date? You didn't have the money or you just forgot? I just forgot, I wasn't okay. paying attention. Okay. And um, because of the double cord, they were very strict. Like you miss your payment date, you're done. Like you're going, I got put on a waiting list for the next year, not even January, the next year. And I was like, oh shit. Um, and then I thought for like two weeks, I held it for my parents, I didn't tell them. And I was like, shit, what do I do? I don't know what to do, I'm gonna be fucked, blah, blah, blah. And I'm literally talking to myself, trying to figure this out. And then I was like, well, you know what? I don't really want to go to school anyway. What I want to do is open up a shoe store or a clothing store. Okay. And even take on like that word entrepreneurship wasn't really a thing back then. And I was just like, just selling stuff throughout high school. Um, and then I enrolled myself into Sheridan College Business School. Because okay. people started telling me like, hey, if you want to open up a store, you got to have some business background. And uh, so I paid for it myself to enroll for, to... Sheridan, which how did you have the money to pay for it yourself? Uh, just selling a bunch of shit in high school. Like okay. I've never had a job in okay. high school and stuff. Like okay, that. but you're always hustling. Always, like I, I probably made that money from selling gear. Um, we can talk a little bit about that in a bit, but uh, yeah, I paid for it, which actually boggled my mind. I was like, you have to pay to apply to go to school, which you have to pay for again. It's like this is a weirdly weird system. Um, then I got accepted for that. Um, in January for the business thing. It was like 130 bucks to like apply. It was weird, right? And you're in grade 12, it's a lot of money. And um, then I also enrolled into a uh, a biz or an adult class, an adult school. And there was an entrepreneurship class. This is at, at Sheridan? No, this is at some adult school. It's actually in Oakville. I don't, okay. There's an adult school somewhere around here. Okay. And uh, I just enrolled in it because I, I just wanted something to show my parents. And then I got a job at the gas station but I actually got a job. I actually got a job at the gas station. So my parents wouldn't ask me where I got my money from, because um, I always made more money just selling random shit. And um, then I did that. And then I finally approached my parents. I'm like, "Hey, mom. Hey, dad. We need to talk. I fucked up." And then I was like, "Look, I don't want to do this. My dad's yelling at me. My mom's crying." And then she's like, "What are you gonna do with your life?" No, <laughs> no. And I'm like, "Here." Now that you're not gonna be a dental hygienist. Hygienist. Yeah. Hygienist. Yeah. Hygienist. hygienist. And then. Um, I went, uh, then I was like, look, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna work at the gas station, pretend like I'm making real money there, but I'm not. And then um, work, uh, go to college in, in January for business. And then I start this entrepreneurship thing in, uh, in September. And um, and then uh, that, that pretty much they were okay with. They're like, okay, I guess we can do that, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so when I was at the gas station though, I actually really enjoyed the fact, I was like the number one employee because I spoke English probably. And Full service gas station. 
Not even full service. I don't know. I guess there was a full service section. Okay. And then, um, so but I was just a cashier. Okay. But I used to com like conversate. Is that a word? Conversate? Yeah. Conversate with, uh, talk to everyone who came in. And what people don't realize is people go to the same gas stations all the time. So whenever somebody looks successful, I would ask them like, hey, what do you do for a living? And 90% um, of them were doctors and lawyers and shit. And I'm like, damn, I can't do school. And then uh, one time there's this one guy. Can we turn that light on there? there was did a, you want that off? Yeah, we can keep that off. Okay. Yeah, it looks okay. 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 And then there was this young guy who used to come in and, you know, always dressed nice, drove a nice car. And he used to buy shit that doesn't make any sense to buy at a gas station. So, and I would wait for the right moment to ask these people. I wouldn't ask them in front of like 10 people. Then finally this guy comes in one time like, hey man, what do you do for a living? You look blah, blah, blah. He's like, why do you ask? And I was like, well, I just graduated high school. You look successful and you're always coming here, blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, um, cool, I'm actually in real estate. Then that night I was like, sick. Looked it up on the old dial up internet stuff. And then I was like, holy shit, this is like being an entrepreneur or being a business person or whatever. So that night I, I told my mom, I want to do real estate. And then my mom was like, okay, let's do it. And so then you're 18, 19? 18, 19 years old. Okay. Just after high school. I don't like, even know what the youngest age you can be to get your real estate license is. Is it probably 18? I think it's, it's 18. Uh, it's, it's 19. One of my buddies is actually trying to get it. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so it's a 19. Okay, cool. so you were right at the beginning. Yeah, right at the beginning. And then I enrolled for it, uh, getting paid for it myself, which doesn't seem like a big deal right now, but it, it was back then. Um, and then I fucking did pretty well. Like, um, So you, you passed the exams, you joined a brokerage. Yeah. In, I, in Mississauga somewhere. In Mississauga. I was and you start selling people's homes? Yeah, like so. At 19? Yeah, it was. It's, so like what was your first non-family? Like was it a family's? That so were, it was. Like, people you knew who were using you or? A little bit of both. Yeah. So here's what happened. This is this is actually, I don't know if I've ever shared this story with you, but. If I had a 19 wanting to list my house I know, for right? sale, I'd be like, I don't know. Yeah, that's what? pretty much how everyone felt. But um, then I kind of used it to my advantage. And uh, I was like, look, man, you want some 50-year-old dude that. Um, is not going to give a shit about what you're doing or your house and your stuff or whatever, or you want someone. Is that the way you spoke to people? Do you want I'm, a 50 year old who doesn't give yeah. a shit? I wouldn't say give a shit, okay. but I probably But that was like, the theme of your message. Absolutely. Okay. So then when I was actually in phase two and phase three, someone, my teacher gave me a tip and was like, Hey man, go talk to people. Now you have a skill of going to talk to people again. Like I'm still just honing in the fact that I can speak well. And, um, so back then I was like, cool, I'm going to do that. So I started door knocking neighborhoods, blah, blah, blah. And just like letting people know, tell my family and friends like, hey, I'm going to get my real estate license. Can you wait? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, I feel like the, with the size of your family, there was a lot of built in real estate possibilities. There was. Absolutely. But, uh, but OK, so you started door knocking. Yeah. So I got my first listing. It was a family friend of ours and uh, $144,000. That place is probably worth 600000 now. So but what I did was I took that listing and then I door knocked the neighborhood. So let's say it's coming on the market September 1st. So from August, all of August, every week, I would go door knock the neighborhood, like the three complexes in the neighborhood, and then say, hey, I got this listing coming up. Do you have any family? I made this shit up. I was like, you have any family or friends that want to move closer to you? Let okay. them know. Keep the mic nice and close. And um, pull it to you. Cool. So then uh, I did that, and no one, no one called me, and I made these flyers. And then the, the next week, I came up, be like, hey, I'm doing a private open house, only for the neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. One or two people showed up. Nothing crazy. The next week, I was like, hey, it's going to hit the market next week. Blah, blah, I'm going to do a public open house. Then did that public open house, and there was literally like 25 people in the, in the open house, in a tiny little townhouse. I'm calling my broker. Uh, her name is Rosa, and I'm like, hey, Rosa, 
I don't know what to do right now. And she's like, what? And I'm like, I'm doing my first open house and there's like 25 people in here. She's like, oh, 25 people came, that's a lot. And I'm like, no, there's 25 people in the house right now. <laughs> and, and then I ended up double ending my first listing. And then from there, it so just- So for, yeah, for anyone who doesn't understand double listing, that is you're representing the seller and you represented the buyer. Yeah. So to you, that's almost like a double commission opportunity exactly. as a 19 year old. Yeah, exactly. So, and then that really catapulted the like me owning that neighborhood owning it as a realtor and then i ended up selling shit tons of houses in that uh, complex people would call me because now i had i could use the word list but i didn't really have a list but i knew all these people that wanted to buy into the neighborhood and um yeah and then that's kind of where it took off i think i did five deals in my first month or five ends or whatever um, which was which five deals in your first month as a 19 year old. So did you have more money than you knew what to do with at that point? Because you went from having some money. Yeah. But then you're going to now you're having quite a bit of money. Yeah. I basically had money that I can put in a bank account <laughs> and then yeah. I couldn't I didn't have to like hide it and shit, which was fascinating to me. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. So I was like that 19, 20, 21 year old that went on every trip that every group of your friends wanted to go on. Like, you know, if you're 20 years old and you're one like multiple people ask you to go on trips and you go, you can only choose one, I would be on, I would go on all of them. Is that when you started surfing? No, I started surfing, I don't know what age, maybe 25. Okay, wait, just on the real yeah. estate thing, I just gotta complete this. So you start at 19 and then what, how, how, how many years are you hardcore into real estate and how, how well or not so well did you do? Um, I think, I don't know the years, I lose track of time a lot, but I did pretty well. I made the top 10 in an office of 150 agents and I actually thought, I was like, that's not that much money. I'm in the top 10. This is crazy. And uh, your parents must have thought you were making a lot of money in those years. They were. I, I mean, know how much you told them. I was making a lot of money. If I Now that I have context of how much money people actually make, uh, and I'm like, yeah, I guess I made some money, especially back then. Like, Okay, um, so you did well in real estate. You go on trips all around the world? Is that yeah, what you're telling Yeah, pretty much. Us? I just went, well, just party trips, like spring break trips and like Got it. Okay. dumb shit, which okay. was mad fun. And then I would come back, sell some houses and go do it again. And then... Yeah, then then um, built up this cool lifestyle, and then yeah. So you were the envy of a lot of your friends because you could go make money on demand, go on all these trips, and yeah. basically you were living the life that everybody wanted to live. Absolutely, yeah. That was that was me. You um, spent all the money, I assume. Of course, yeah, I yeah, spent it all spent the time. It all. Yeah, 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 all, all okay. the time. And okay. um, because I, you know, it was real money. That but then was, when did you get to Liberty Village in Toronto? And then you started to organize yourself and you did a lot of good lead generation there. I did. How, where, where does that transition happen? Um, that probably happened around the same time that I started surfing, maybe a year before okay. that. Um, or yeah, because I, when, I, when you say organization, there wasn't really that much organization. It was just lots of leads. And um, so built these websites only because I learned about internet marketing in Hawaii from some apparently big internet marketers like Amish Shah, Frank Kern, and I was literally. Yeah, those are, so for, yeah, those are big internet marketers, but how did you meet these guys? Cause you went on a surfing trip? Yeah, so Jim and Brian, I think you had Jim on the podcast not that long yeah, ago. Jim actually, we just had, Jim's, uh, we're gonna release his episode either right before you or after you. So right around the same time, Sweet. that's funny timing. So, so how did you meet Jim? So I met He's Jim. He's like the polar opposite of you. That's what you think. He's the polar opposite <laughs> of me now. Yeah, yeah. In his previous life. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. we uh, we met at some random real estate thing in Toronto. Okay. And he, they he were, was up here speaking or attending? Yeah, uh, speaking. Okay. And speaking, so, I think. Okay. Because Jim, yeah. For Jim and Brian. Jim both Shields them. was uh, flipping with Brian. Yeah. Um, all kinds of different properties in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. And then he was up here attending or speaking at some conference. You met yeah. him and then you end up going on a surfing trip with them. 
in, yeah, that's the summarized version. So basically I met them and then we hit it off and they're like, Hey man, do you want to come for some drinks after? And I'm like, sure. And they're like, Hey, do you want to come surfing in January? And it's like November. And I'm like, all right, just don't murder me literally. Cause I don't know you guys. Uh, and then they became mentors of me, mentors of mine. And they, they taught me how to surf. And then I got like, it opened up a whole new world for me. Jimmy actually told me right away. He's like, you remind me of me when I was your age. And uh, I would have, you know, like just stop, like you got to figure something out because I know there's going to be a part of you where you're like, do you really want to do what you're doing? Um, you know, like this is going to get boring soon. They're just partying, doing whatever you want to do and making money, spending money, whatever. Uh, and I haven't figured that yet, figured that part out either. But that's how I met Jim and Brian. How valuable for someone that you might um, be able to make a relationship with, give you that kind of advice. Oh man, least. that was massive. That was a massive like shift in my world as to like, Hey, you guys live. He was basically trying to tell you, Hey, wake up a little, like you're living, you're yeah. living, you're living large, you're yeah. spending money, but wake up a little bit. This stuff gets boring in another five or 10 years. Yeah, exactly. And okay. it's um, good that you got that out of your system. I mean, I know so many people who don't have that out of their system. Mm -hmm. Like I have so many friends who are really kind of like grade a students right mm -hmm. through high school to the point that they, um, you know, didn't really play any sports, didn't really do anything other than just school was the yeah. number one focus. And then university was the number one focus after that, which is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's an element in all of us that needs to have this release. And either it comes out at you uh, in you from your ages of 18 to 20, 23, 24, especially for guys. Yeah. Or if it doesn't, then you're looking at some midlife crisis yeah. when you're in your 40s. And That's just my opinion. But yeah. I feel like you got all of that out, which is worked mm -hmm. to your benefit. It has, it has. There's been ups and downs and stuff, but yeah, that's how I got into surf. And okay, then, so that's they taught you how to surf, and they all also introduced you to some marketing. Con they were talking business at this point because they were. So what? What actually? What actually happened was they called me. We started doing these board meetings. Before board meetings, you're gonna hear Jim talk about his board meetings, which are fantastic. Before all, it morphed into like these family board meetings. They were literally just a bunch of uh, entrepreneurs meeting up, and I was like the young guy that followed them around everywhere. Like Jim and Brian would call me up and be like, hey, we're going to we're doing a board meeting in like Hawaii. You so the, go? the idea of a board meeting was they would just get a bunch of their friends together who were all doing pretty good things mm -hmm. and all kind of mastermind. You know, I would yeah. refer to it more like a mastermind. But yeah. yeah, they were doing like a board meeting, get a mm -hmm. bunch of good people together, all yeah. share our successes and maybe our failures so we can learn from each other. Exactly. So that we can all prepare, propel ourselves forward faster. Yeah. Yeah, that's and really they were doing these on surfing trips. Yeah, and it it became like they were all a little bit older than me, and uh, or older than me or whatever, and I was like the young kid that just followed them around, and I learned so much about it. And it was one of the few places where I can tell people the truth. I said like, "Hey, I don't really like doing this shit anymore. What do you think I should do?" Um, and it just became an outlet of me of Vermont for me. And then, you know, then Brian got married, and or Brian was already married, but he had kids and. You know, Jimmy was settling down. Yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the board meetings changed. And then I found my own surfing, different crews. And then I, that, and I just started traveling like crazy, but more for surf. But uh, so we did a, a Hawaii trip. Jim just called me. He's like, hey, or Brian, I don't remember who. And they're like, hey, we're doing Hawaii. Book these dates. I'm like, OK, cool. I'm down. And then we get there. And then uh, I was helping them out with the board meeting stuff. I thought they were going to talk about real estate, but we, they didn't want to talk about board meeting stuff. And then the day before... I think it was the day before the event actually started. I didn't even know there was an actual event. They were asking us if we can teach some people how to surf, like just basic stuff. I was like, yeah, I can help out, blah, blah, blah. Helped out. And then everyone thought I was Hawaiian. 
And yeah, you uh, kind of look like you could be Hawaiian. Yeah, when I got there, I was like, oh, yeah, I can look Hawaiian. And then <laughs> I didn't know that. And um, then, um, yeah, then we ended up at some party on the beach and some guys were like, hey, man, do you want to smoke some weed? And I'm like, sure. And we smoked some weed. And then I didn't realize who I was hanging out with, drinking and having a good time. It was some of the biggest internet marketers in the world. And I only knew that the next day when the, when the conference started because they were, they were speaking. They were the keynote speakers. And I walked up to him like, yeah, why don't you tell me you're famous, bro? Like, what the fuck? And then, and I was like, then he's like, well, it's cool. You didn't know I was blah, blah. And then, then my next question was like, what the fuck is an internet marketer? And uh, then they started explaining stuff to me like, hey, you know, you have a real real estate business, blah, blah, to start putting stuff online. And then uh, one of the tips that one of the guys gave me, like one of them was, I can't remember their names. Um, he was like, start with something you like doing. And then, so one of the first things that I got involved with was the music blog. And some kids that I met at another real estate, uh, another internet marketing, sorry, real estate thing to do with building websites. I met some kids and they were probably, they're not kids, but young people. And I was sitting in the back and I was like, hey, this is boring, blah, blah, blah. Like, can I do this with a site? And they're like, yeah, we can build all that shit. Then we started building sites together. So we built the, the music blog, the UFO site. I and forgot you told me you had that music blog and the UFO site. Yeah. And then what uh, did you do with the UFO site again? Uh, what that's you what selling? I'm wondering. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, the UFO, it was just cool shit. Like it was like, yeah, but like what was the goal of the UFO site to connect, to book tickets, to go into outer space was, with UFOs? <laughs> like what were you making? Were you making money off the UFO site? Were you selling t-shirts? There was a, there was a little bit of money, but there was okay. no goal. It was okay. literally like, Hey, let's, let's build a site. So the only money was like advertising on the site. Cause it got a lot of traffic that, and then we built some members membership thing around it like three okay. like nine bucks for the year so, okay. just how much traffic were you getting on the site um so the the ufo site we got over 30 3500 paid members in the first three months um oh my god and then uh so the seo game our seo game was like on point and then we actually got approached this is actually insane we got approached by chorus media uh we also we were featured in a movie called or a documentary style movie i think it's called the disclosure project uh, we were flown out to Washington to what go. What were you putting on this UFO site? Uh, at first, it was like proof that UFOs exist. <laughs> and, <Okay>. then, <laughs> and then it... Which everybody wanted to see. Yeah. And then, well, okay. sort of. I didn't want my face on okay. it because I was like, well, my clients are going to think I'm nuts. All I talk about is surfing UFOs. I'm fucked, yeah. right? And then, um, so we did this... Um, we, uh, that we is just, a funny combo. Yeah. And then imagine if I'm gone for a month and I come back talking to clients about, Hey man, want to check out my UFO site? <laughs> they're like, I'm just talking about surf. You can trust me you're selling your home, but by yeah. the way, I want to talk to you about UFOs afterwards. Have I you know. ever seen any funny lights going Ch through the sky? <laughs> so we, um, have it, you ever felt like you've been abducted at night? Because if you have, I'd like to interview you for oh, my man. UFO site. We, <laughs> we, we, oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I remember a lot of shit. We have all these crazy interviews with every single person that has a voice online about UFOs. All of them. Like Dr. Stephen Greer. That's the number one I guy. I feel like think. the most current person I've heard talk about it is uh, George St. Pierre on Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah. Have you heard him talk about that? I have. Um, okay. So you had... So Chorus Media contacted us. They wanted, they had us featured on that late night show. Um, I can't remember what it's I called. I was probably in bed, man. We're, we're, our lives are very No, man, your, ads are, pro your ads are probably running right before the show. <laughs> and uh, Okay, so you're on some late night TV um, show. Radio show. Radio and then, show. then Chorus Media like had one of the biggest responses. Like they tracked this stuff. And then... Um, uh, then we, uh, they actually approached me and, or us and asked me to, to do like a mini 
um, TV series things or a web series. They called it something. I don't remember the name. And I was like, I don't know, man, like we should get a different person. Right. Because I don't know if I want to be the face of this. And then we actually lined it all up. There was like some NBC host, super hot chick. I don't remember her name. And then she was then she met me, too. And she's like, yo, well, you need to be on the show, too. And like, we'll Dude, both. What was the show going to be about? It was just you about had like. no actual real proof about UFOs. I know, but it was just about talking about the stories that come up and like, hey, how does this work? Or, you know, like, what does this mean? And it was just like. To, what kind of proof did you put on this member site anyway? Just pictures of stuff that look like UFOs? Pretty much. And then. and So here's what's crazy. I, think I remember as a kid trying to make some of those pictures. You know, when you get like some tinfoil <laughs> on a string. Yeah. And you put it in a tree and you try to make it look far away. Mm -hmm. like, <laughs> so it, it was funny because like every conference that we got invited to, we would walk in. And usually, like, you have a bunch of weirdos in there, and, like, literally, people with tinfoil on their head. And then I walk in with some of my friends and our, our little crew, and it was just a bunch of kids, and we just looked no like normal people. And I think that was the biggest reason why it had so much traction is because I believe in UFOs and all that stuff. I think they exist. I think it's ignorant for us not to believe there's other things in there, out there. But uh, I'm not weird about it. Do you know what I mean? Um, but then um, I don't know where it went. I just got okay. So, but from, bored of it. from doing so, that kind of dies a slow death, but still exists. Oh wait, so there's a part that it turned into a community where people that actually already uh, believe, believe in, in UFOs, UFOs are paying you ten dollars a year to talk to each other. Yes, and it became like an actual community. It became a social. So I think it's called UFO Context. I don't know what it's called now. I kind of stepped away from it, and I mean, I completely stepped away from it. And it's definitely a site now. And I know because I still get the notifications. So these are some of your friends that still run? Yeah, there's still some of my friends. And then that's the part that like we kind of, you know, no bad blood or anything. I love those guys. But it's that's where we had a disconnect. I was like, guys, you know that I run a real business while I'm doing this. This is kind of a fun thing. And uh, but there, this was like, no disrespect to any of them. I love them. This was their thing. And I was like. That's fucked up, guys. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> this like, isn't going to be my life's yeah, work. Exactly. You're going to be yeah. one of those guys with the tinfoil. And I'm just kidding. I love those guys. Yeah. But, um, and then so then we started taking the same strategies that we're using and to get all into real estate. Yeah. And that's when I built like the, you know, my Liberty Village condos, my Massage condos and all those other little micro sites for for condos. And, okay. and then and at that time, micro sites were the way to, to yeah. kind of like hack search engine optimization yeah. so you were and nobody was doing it nobody. especially not in real estate yeah and exactly. so you just dominated on a lead flow yeah so exactly. you could generate how many leads do you think you were generating each my Mississauga and my liberty village condos were both getting five to seven opt-ins a day yeah that's um, huge which i didn't I even know was a big deal until i met you guys and, and then yeah, yeah. That, yes, that's that's the kind of the beauty of sometimes being naive. You don't yeah. realize what you, you know, kind of like what you said about your income. Like you didn't realize you were making a lot of money when you were doing real estate. Yeah. And sometimes it's good to just be naive like that. Mm -hmm. um, but five to seven opt-ins, I can tell you, um, quote unquote, for free, like you put time and labor into it. Yeah. But you weren't paying to advertise these sites. No, yeah, that's, that's all huge. SEO. That's huge. Yeah. And it was all within three months that all of them came okay, up. And then were you working with the leads as a realtor or did you siphon Some, off the leads to other people? Sometimes both. Okay. Both. Like, so I would take the, like the really easy ones. Okay. Um, did you sell the leads or just do both. a kind of, so okay. sometimes I, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I know more now, but I still don't know what I'm doing, but, um, I would you sell. You always say that leads. like you don't know what you're doing. I Why really, do you keep saying that? Because is that like some kind of weird crutch for you. It might be, but at yeah. the same time, I, or is that like your image? Uh, like, I, don't I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of doing around all this stuff. But you clearly know what you're doing. I, I, I do know what I'm doing, but I don't know what I'm doing from like a structure standpoint. Okay. Like I'm just like, okay, let's just generate these leads. Okay. Uh, because that's always been like my 
Strong suit. But I can tell you just as being, you know, in the corporate world for nine years now in the uh, running our own business for 10 years, no one really knows what they're doing. Yeah. Like there's no one walking around going, I got it all figured out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to generate these leads. And then these leads will result in exactly this. And then I will build exactly this. And I will launch my first product. Then I will exactly launch my second product. Mm -hmm. So that's no, when I no, but nobody's got it all figured out. Everybody's kind of like bootstrapping their way up from the cool. beginning and then figuring things out as they that's go. That's good to know because I always think that those corporate people have like their seventeen point plan, and I'm like, I just want to get fucking leads. Man. No, from my from my experience in the corporate world, um, mm-hmm. they're pretty good at spending money to hire people. They will hire people with salaries. Mm-hmm. They'll spend money on that, which yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs are a little kind of nervous yeah. at doing, right? Because then that's kind of fixed overhead that you have. Yeah, and they're pretty good on, on, in the software space. They were pretty good at doing lead generation, like you're mm. talking about. They understood things like pay-per-click before Google AdWords. They understood search engine optimization. So yeah. they kind of discovered in that industry that if you marry leads mm-hmm. with a paid-for sales force, okay. you can sell stuff. Cool. And then they would just kind of keep selling stuff. And sometimes in the software space, the product didn't even live up to the hype. Yeah. Like the product wasn't even fully developed yet and the salespeople were already selling it. The salespeople didn't even always know what, that what they were selling wasn't even doing what they were saying they were doing because the product guys thought it would work. But by the time it released out, you know, this is back in the day when you would install software with like on CD discs and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It didn't always work. So, so that's why sales guys are looked at kind of douchey. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. But it's not all they're doing. They don't know. Yeah, yeah, that makes you know, sense. They don't know what they're not supposed to say or what's not going to work yeah. and that whole stuff. So I guess just to bring it back is like no one really knows cool. kind of what they're doing. It kind of ebbs and flows. Yeah, and that's I guess that's how, that's um, my thing. Not, I don't want to say my thing, but it's like it is just something that I'm like, hey, I'm just going to try it. I don't know what I'm really doing. Uh, but I do know how to get attention. That's, that's really or the word attention has been flowing around the internet for a while, but I can get leads, I can get attention, I can do it with any industry. Well, by saying I don't know what I'm doing, it does keep you somewhat humble, mm-hmm. whether you're saying that consciously and you know yeah. why you're saying it to lay, put out a certain image, yeah. or you really do believe it, it does kind of keep you humble, which is, I think, a really good thing. Cool, yeah, I think so too. I just don't, like when I see what you and, and Nick do, I'm like, fuck, that's some serious stuff. Yeah. I can just do the first part. But then I've also realized that first part of getting attention and getting leads is the hardest part. It's the hardest part. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And, and we don't know what we're doing. You know, we're always kind of yeah. uh, I think I've shared this with you before, maybe not that we're always short term, paranoid, long term, optimistic about everything. Yeah. So about real estate properties. <laughs> That's actually a really good way well, to yeah, say things. That's yeah. Like about real estate, we're like short term, paranoid. Like, is the market going to collapse tomorrow? And we're yeah. freaking out over it and we're watching interest rates. But. Long term, we're not scared. Like yeah. we know if we can kind of survive it. Yeah. Long term, we're going to be successful with these properties. And even in business, mm-hmm. short term, we're always paranoid. Yeah. Like, is there something changing? What do we need to be aware of? But we know if we consistently generate leads, like, yeah. like you're talking about, long term, mm-hmm. everything's going to work out. Yeah. But in the short term, we're always walking around looking over our shoulder a little bit. Cool. That, that, I don't I know can... why I feel like I'm looking over my shoulder right now as I speak. <laughs> what What you just said, I'm pretty sure Andrew can like. Um, confirm that's pretty much how I feel all the time. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, I don't know what the Which, fuck's going on, but I know it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah that, I think that's a good feeling that you're having. Yeah, it's <laughs> Okay, so uh, so you generate leads, Liberty Village yeah. stuff, the Mississauga condo stuff. Yeah, um, and then these are all like microsites. Okay, and, and that's when we kind of cross paths right around that time. Um, so this yeah. is your mid to, this is late, later so, 20s. Yeah, like the story bet- meeting you guys is actually really crazy. And I'm not even fabricating this a little bit. Julie Broad is actually the one who first told me about you guys. So she was one of the first people that I told 
Like, hey, I don't want to be in real estate anymore. Okay, so just let me interrupt. Julie Broad uh, and her husband, Dave Penick, did yeah. a whole bunch of real estate stuff in Canada, had a, mm-hmm. a real big blog out there. They were yeah. coaching people, doing some great things. Yeah. They've now, they now live in L.A. Dave's yeah. uh, an actor now in L.A. Yeah. Um, but okay, they had a big influence on you. You crossed paths yeah. with them. And, uh, and then I showed them like, hey, this is what I'm doing, my internet stuff, my website stuff and stuff like that. And then she was like, you know, you got to meet these guys, Tom and Nick. That, like they own this company, uh, Rockstar Real Estate. And... They're, they're really good guys. You should meet them. And I was like, oh, they're realtors. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, nah. And you just dismissed us. A hundred percent. I was like, nah, fuck that. I don't want to like meet meet those people. Meanwhile, and, we never want to be known as realtors. But okay, keep going. Yeah. And then uh, a year, literally a year passes. And this is the interesting time when I had everything you're supposed to have. Like I made a lot of money. I lived in a, I lived in a good place. I had a beautiful life. And I was like, fuck this. I don't want none of this shit. I just don't see a light at the end of this tunnel. It's just going to be like chasing whatever materialistic shit I can find. Um, then... Um, a year passes and I'm literally traveling. I'm here for like a week or two at a time, double checking my leads, double checking people are, are, are following up with them or, and if people aren't following up with them and selling, then I started selling them to realtors. So I know that I can actually just get a fee and not have to depend on them to sell it. Um, made some money come and I leave again. Like I'll come back for a week and I'll be gone for a month. And then, um, one of my good friends in Peru or from Peru, he set up this surf trip in Costa Rica, one of my favorite places in the world. It's eight dudes that go down that don't know each other. We just know Larry. And then I met um, met this guy named Matt. And Larry's like, hey, you need to meet Matt. He's from Barbados, but he lives in Toronto now. I meet Matt, and we end up living across the street from each other. I lived at Liberty Village. He lived at Fort York. And then uh, on his surfboard, we had breakfast first. And then he pulls out his surfboard after. And there's a Rockstar Real Estate sticker on it. I'm like, what the fuck? I know this company. And then... At breakfast, we were actually talking about internet marketing. I told him about UFO stuff. And uh, he's into really into internet marketing too. And then right away, he's like, yo, you got to meet these guys. They're bomb, right? Like, they're legit. And I was like, this is fucking crazy. So that day, I FaceTimed Julie or messaged her or whatever that day. And then I told her, I was like, hey, do you remember those guys you told me to meet about a year ago? I just met <laughs> some I guy. I called douchebags. Yeah, I called douchebags. Uh, apparently, another guy that I, really, <laughs> I like says... He's not I, a douchebag. Yeah, he's not a douchebag. says these guys aren't douchebags too. So that's two for two. And then she, right away, she responded. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy. You definitely need to meet them, blah, blah, blah. And then that was it. Then I met you. I don't think Nick came to the first time we met. Uh, okay. And literally, I was only in, in town for like a week or two. And I was like, I'm out again. And then I met you. And That's right. I remember sitting down chatting with you here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, got it. And then you were even telling me, you're like, I don't know what we can do for you because I don't know if we have the infrastructure of a real estate, yeah. pro- like a proper remember real estate. back program. to your point of like no one knowing what they're doing. Yeah. That, that was me admitting to you like, hey, man, we got yeah. this operation here, but I don't know. We're yeah. basically just hanging on for our dear lives. Exactly. So that was it. And then you and uh, but then that's when I first shared with you my sites and and the uh the leads i was getting yeah and then you were like dude you know you're sitting on a gold mine and i was like why and then you would explain to me like so what i used to do with the leads this is so stupid now i think about it but it is what it is if you didn't give me your phone number i basically told you to fuck off like i didn't call you i didn't tell anyone to call you we didn't send you any emails um oh my god and i and so let's say i got five leads or ten leads in a day and three three people will give me their phone numbers i'm like sick i'm gonna sell those people and then, or whoever's going to sell them. But then the seven d- never did um, just because I just didn't care. I just didn't know better. And that's part of the thing. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, so imagine if I did that oh, and did the whole follow up process. Yeah. And, oh my God. Follow up just gives me anxiety. That's when we first met and we, we started talking about that. And um, yeah, and I was like, I'll be back in like a month. And 
and then I came back and then I started here and um, that was it. And still trying to figure out what exactly I want to do. I yeah, okay, that so even though you still have your real estate license and you do do real estate stuff and yeah. you work with investors and do some regular mm-hmm. real estate stuff to you, that to me, that's not your life's purpose by any means. Mm-hmm. But that's brought you to the point of what you're doing now. We're finally yeah. getting back to Andrew. Yeah. We were talking about Andrew at the beginning. We're yeah. coming full circle. So now you're working on developing an online your online businesses yeah. using a combination of Amazon, Shopify yeah. to build out different product lines. Some of them sound like they're in the baby space. Yeah. Um, some of them are in the office supply yes. space. And some of them are in the Disney space that we won't talk about anymore. But Oh, yeah. And I'm starting to remember all the things we're doing. Yeah. So that's what you guys are. And is Andrew helping you out yeah. with build out that stuff and everyone else that you mentioned? Yeah. So, so most everyone's of stuff, helping you build out that stuff. Absolutely. And then what's happening is, um, you know, a lot of people here are asking what we're doing, blah, blah. And I just tell them, look, 75% of the stuff we're doing is not real estate related. So and it's kind of morphed into this whole thing. I tore my Achilles November 28, 2017. Yeah. So I was in this weird space. I had to cancel a trip to the Philippines and Australia. And I was in a weird space. It's like, okay, fuck, I really got to think about what I want to do. And then I just thought about like, okay, what do I really like doing? I just like talking and I'm naturally good at it. So started a podcast. I guess by the time this releases, it'll be out. Um, it was, it's, the podcast is actually about just interviewing. The macro goal is to interview every business owner in Toronto. And then the micro goal is to just interview the people that I know. Yeah, and like, cool. so I know so many business owners, like the little what, coffee what, shop. So is that, that's out right about now? Yeah. About to be yeah. out? Should be the out. URL that you're going to share for that uh, or not yet? Yeah, we can, I can share it. Yeah, so what's the URL? Um, originally it was supposed to be the everyday entrepreneur, um, but everydayentrepreneur.com was taking. So it's changed from everyday entrepreneur to everyday entrepreneur. But then it's also morphed into just everyday.ca. So that's E-R-R-D-A-Y.ca. And which has now morphed into a fucking... I think it's better than the everyday entrepreneur. No one's going to spell that out. I know. So, so it's just Erday. So Yeah. E-R-R-D-A-Y.ca. Yeah. And is there any episodes up there yet or about to go? There will be by the time this releases. Okay. And okay. Uh, uh, we've got some really cool guests lined up, like some of the biggest, coolest restaurants in the city, some new shit that's coming in the city, awesome. some music producers that are massively from Toronto that are like cool. Grammy winners and stuff. So You know, you have to track down, Aiden, who's the, who is that a restaurant that of those two guys, those YouTube oh, guys? Yeah, Do you yeah. know these guys? Yeah. So Aiden's not hooked up to a mic. So who are their names? Can you repeat uh, that? So I don't know their names, but I know their restaurants. There's Lucky. Yeah, like, Lucky is yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Sue Surly's so, the dad. Yeah. And then Kai Bentley and Levi Bentley are the sons. And they yeah. have some they're kind restaurants of, in Toronto. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah, so their, their so dad is the, really the one that made it. I think yeah. we had a rock star Christmas party at the dad's restaurant on cool. King Street. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lucky. Frings. Was, Frings. Is Frings, as well, but Frings is closing now. But. Yeah. Frings is... That's one of the sons... Yeah, right yeah. and okay. then so these kind of guys local people who yeah. are running different even things. further deeper to that like so what i mean is like um like the coffee shop that's been there for 30 years and doesn't even have to be a celebrity type thing the pizza shop that's been there for 30 years versus the pizza shop that's been there for two years okay so you're naturally a curious guy yeah and i know all these people because i'm always in the city just talking shit to them or not talking yeah, shit, yeah, but yeah, just yeah. getting to know you're them. having a good time and then so i'm doing that and then it's just morphed into a media company which i don't know if i actually want to take on but we'll see okay because I've had a lot of client people approach me and hire me to do some marketing for them or consulting. Yeah. And, uh, and I can naturally see that happen just from the, from doing, you know, being in business for ourselves. The number one thing that 
I think someone can add value to a business is mm -hmm. the ability to create leads yeah. or new interest mm -hmm. in that business. Yeah. Um, a business that ha doesn't have consistent new leads is yeah. a starving business. Yeah. So if they see you as someone who understands internet marketing and the ability to do that yeah. kind of stuff, you realize you're going to have to teach them how to follow up. No, as long as they yeah, <laughs> you have to follow up. If um, they have the follow up. Uh, but uh, that's the ideal client yeah, is yeah. who has the follow up but can't but get But I can the see people looking at you for that type of advice because you have different experiences now in that stuff yeah. in all different areas from the ufo from door knocking mm -hmm. to the ufo site to the real estate sites yeah and now from what you're doing that's a lot of different experience on how to generate interest in yourself it's kind of cool it's not like you is know. there a url for that consulting or people are just reaching out to you sorry say that again for that type of media company? so it's it's all going to be under urday.ca oh, yeah. right it? now okay. it's urday.ca is just for uh to get interviewed on the podcast okay got um, it. but it is morphing into that i'm not marketing for um, new clients because I'm getting so much interest that I actually can't, I don't have enough time in the day to do these things. Got it. And uh, so we're trying to figure that out. And okay. And that takes us to the point of how you met Andrew. Like how are you getting people to work with you? So this is, it just gets crazier. So uh, Gary V was here in February, end of February. And then a good friend of mine, Ian Zabo reached out to me and said like, Hey, can you do some stuff for some VIP ticket, buy, buy a VIP ticket and donate some tickets to some kids. And I'm like, I'll just donate the tickets to the kids. And he's like, oh, it's going to be more expensive to do that, blah, blah, blah. Cool. And, then, and Ian's another real estate guy. Yeah. That I, I feel like I've met. I, I, he's uh, a good dude. My, he's yeah, a good dude, I, so. I know we've tried. We've passed at least emails or he sent us his book yeah. or something like that. We have a little limited yeah. exposure. But OK, I, so he's your friend. Yeah. Told you to go to the Gary Vaynerchuk thing yeah. and then sponsor it for. Or he was like, buy a ticket. It sponsors at risk youth. And then, okay. and then I was that like. That resonated with you. Yeah. And I was like, you fucker, you know, I'm going to do it for the kids. And then because uh, I, I was actually still struggling to walk. I was still in, in an air cast. And I was like, I'm not going to this thing. And uh, that was earlier this year. Yeah, earlier this okay. year. And then, then, I was, and then, yeah. Long story short, he was like, Yo, if I'll tell him I'll buy just the at-risk youth tickets. And he's like, No, it's more expensive to do that. So I just bought the VIP ticket. Blah blah. Then the next day or two later, he was like, We actually have, we don't know who to give these tickets to. And I'm like, I got you. This so is that the VIP tickets that I think you had. Or I yeah. actually wanted. It, yeah, Aiden I reached wasn't out around. To I was going to try and get Aiden to go to that. Exactly. I called you, and then I basically. This is crazy. For a week, I did that, and I got like I don't know, 60, 70 kids in for free, and these kids loved me for that. And these kids were from different program school, but like, how'd you find these kids? I just know so many people that I know, like, just literally messaged my friends and and, and students and professors and anything like and that they, I knew. They gave you names, and they just sent me lists. They're like, holy shit, you because this ticket was like it's marketed as a hundred bucks, but with all the taxes and fees, it was like three hundred dollars. Okay. So. Um, I'm going to speak for Andrew right now, but I remember when I, when I reached out to him or his friends, our mutual friends, um, he was like, holy shit, I want to go, but it was too expensive. And then I was like, dude, go bring all your friends. I can get you in. And that, cool. and that was it. And then what, like what resonated with Andrew with, I don't know what I'm saying. What, re what caught me with Andrew is that he had a genuine interest in what, what I'm already doing rather than someone who's being trained to do it. Uh, like, cause it's trendy. So when we talked, he, he actually was like, yo, I've been wanting to try this, this, this. And I was like, holy shit, you actually know what you're talking about. Most kids just talk shit and like, oh, they just want to try stuff because it's cool right now. And then that's really how we, we hit it off. And I was like, sick, you want to try some shit? Let's try it. So then that's where we started doing all these r random things. And then the idea is just, we just um, synced really well with like, okay, cool. I can do the podcast. I want to do like a vlog. So we have a lot of that stuff in the vault. Um, just hearing your story, you know what you th I, I think of when I hear your story? It's like you're surfing through life. 
I, I, it's <laughs> like you're catching these different waves at different times in life. Yeah. Like you catch this real. Why? Someone yeah. said that to you before. Uh, no, I, that's. But I feel like you're catching the real treat- estate wave and you just surf that wave and then that wave kind of died out or whatever surf lingo is yeah. where the wave's no longer there and then you're like oh there's this ufo wave <laughs> yeah, so i'm gonna ride this ufo wave and that's it's a it's a short wave yeah but it's a pretty high wave yeah and that was a great ride and that goes down and then you kind of ride, ride a real estate wave again with some mm. of these websites and then you know you kind of we stumble into each other you're like what are these rock star guys about and you're like i'm gonna ride this wave just see where it takes me <laughs> i actually have no idea where it's gonna take me i'll see that's where it takes pretty. me and then you learn about amazon and and how yeah. did you learn about Amazon? Was it through Alex's dad? Yeah, through Alex's so dad, Greg. Alex, um, yeah, who you've heard. Uh, you. At the first entrepreneurship summit. Yeah, last year last when we year. ran that. That's yeah. the first time you guys met. Yeah, that was the first okay, time we met. Okay, and you heard Greg speak. So Alex's yeah. father spoke at that one um, and shared, which was really great that your dad was so open because Nick and I, we spent about $5,000 to fly to Austin or San Antonio, Texas to get okay. some guys to teach us about like Amazon stuff Cool. because we didn't even want to do it. We just like knowing all, you know how I said we're short-term paranoid? Mm. We like knowing different ways to make money different at options. all times in case we need to yeah. kind of pull that trigger, you know, in case we're like, okay, we got to yeah. use that playbook. Yeah. Um, but we, so we spent 5,000 just to learn mm-hmm. and then we're like, okay, we kind of understand what we need to understand. We have a base of knowledge. But then Greg, Alex's father was uh, so generous to share that at the entrepreneurial yeah. summits. That's why we were telling everyone for the cost that we're charging for this, just his talk alone yeah. is worth it. So you learned it from him yeah. and then you started exploring the idea. Absolutely. So it, it just resonated with me because I was like, holy shit, this reminds me of SEO, Google SEO, building those sites. And I was like, okay, cool. I got to figure this out. And then ended up with China, in China with Greg and Brian in October last year. And then, you know, what you're saying in terms of riding the wave of, of different things is actually insane because it's so bang on. It feels uh, like even it, right? before and you have no, it seems like you have no fear. And I don't know if that's because you haven't really didn't fall into the structure of school or high school from what I can gather at yeah. all. And then you didn't have any, <laughs> like anything, any real kind of school structure no, after that. Nothing. And it's kind of left you open to just try things at will, which is, yeah. there's a huge benefit to that. Yeah. And th- that whole thing, like, um, like I'll go a little bit further because I, I know only the people at the Entrepreneur Summit actually know this story, but um, I really do, do think you can't teach entrepreneurship at all because even when I was in grade nine, the eBay story, which you know, like that wasn't a thing for me to do because it was cool. I was like, oh, I just want to make some money um, where I don't even know if I, Alex heard it. I think Aiden's probably the only one that hasn't heard it, but um, well, I had some relatives in New York and they would literally tell us like one of them worked at Barney's New York uh, in the co-op section where all the cool shit got released, like all the drops, like all the celebrities used to drop stuff there. And uh, so my cousin Jeff, he's actually my uncle, but he was young. So um, he used to tell us what's hot. And then the Lacoste shirts at that time when I was in grade nine were super hot. And he was telling me like the old ones sell more, sell for more and they sell faster than the ones that look new. That's the term vintage. It wasn't even a thing back then. Then uh, I was like sick. My mom cleans the house with these shirts. So that, that like, I was like, this is crazy. So I drove, we drove home. We never used to fly to New York, drove home. Uh, I was like, hey mom, can I have these three shirts or two shirts that you that you clean the house with? They're like ripped and old and shit. And then she was like, what are you gonna do with it? And I was like, I'm gonna sell them on eBay. She's like, isn't eBay a scam? And then I'm <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm selling shit, so I don't care. Like, and then, um, then I had to then register for eBay, I had to figure it out. They wouldn't let me register a seller account because I was too young, because you had to have a PayPal account to get paid. I had to pay my neighbor's older brother to create a PayPal account for us and or for me. Then I sold these two, three shirts, these three shirts for 30 bucks each because at Barney's they were selling for 75. Sold them for 30 bucks. Then I also drew, like uh, re- remembered where I seen these before too was at Value Village. 
took that money, paid my neighbor's brother a cut, biked to Value Village at Dunness and Dixie. So I lived at the time we were the move. I remember that Value Village. Yeah. So we moved from here in Terrapaisi to Mississauga Valley. I biked by myself with my backpack. There used to be a Towers right next to it, or it became the Tower. Oh, I don't know what Towers is. It was a department store. Oh, okay. I'm old. Yeah, and then anyway, Value Village. Bike to Value Village, found like 10 of these shirts at 150 to $2 a pop. And I was like, sick. Bought all the shirts with the money I had, sold more of them on eBay. But then, because I'm a knucklehead, I didn't do anything with that money. I just bought more gear. That's how I bought all my gear in high school for civvies days and shit. And then I was like, bought all this gear on eBay. When you say gear, you mean like cool clothes? Yeah, like cool Got clothes. Got it. Okay. And then, um, but... Uh, like the stuff I wear? Yeah, like the stuff Aiden wears? <laughs> just kidding. And... Uh, but yeah, that's and that and then throughout high school, I just did all that shit. I and I didn't. I'm only starting to realize what I did was weird. Like, I uh, I used to sell donuts. I used to sell Krispy Kreme donuts at in high school. I used to sell Jordans, like jerseys, all throughout high school. Never had a part time job. Never had a resume. The only reason I got that job at the gas station was so my parents didn't ask me how I made money. And uh, because now I'm not in school, I have no like my time is being spent somewhere. But that's why I really don't think you can teach entrepreneurship. And then back to your point where you were saying like, I'm so naive to things. It's actually the only way I can think. When I first met Andrew and then he he had one idea and I was like, sick, this is actually what I would do with it. And he's like, how do you even talk like that? I don't know if you remember that. You were like, it's crazy to hear you speak like that because no one talks like that. The only people that talk like that are the people that are like massively on the internet. I'm like, no man, this is just the way I think all the time. There's no, nothing's gonna stop me from doing something that I wanna do unless I get arrested. So, um, but that's not going to happen right now. But, um, yeah, so I, I think, I don't know what it, what it is. Maybe uh, for, I think about it a lot now from a psychological, psychological perspective as to what drives me to do shit. Is it because when I was younger, I got in trouble for, I memorized a book because I got in trouble because I couldn't read. This was like grade four or five. And then my mom got so, it was so sad that I couldn't read. How did you, how did you memorize the book? Someone read it to you? My sister used to read it to me. Got it. And my sister was like a brainchild. So, and then I just memorized, it was a Disney book, like one of those hardcover Disney books. And then, yeah, I just memorized it. I was like, I'm going to memorize this so no one fucking says yeah, I can't You've always it. hustled your way through life, it seems like, from the beginning. Yeah. So now, where are you guys with the stages of this new business, do you feel? Are you like 10% um, through it, 50%? I, I, I don't know because I don't know the process. All I know is that most people, even media consulting clients or media companies mm -hmm. still struggle to find clients. I don't That's can't right. find the time of day so, to respond to the people that are trying to get mm -hmm. to me. Like, I, so here's like, I don't know. I, I was at a party on Saturday. This is how, okay. Two me, I just want to share yeah. one thing with you. Cause you seem like you're really good at making money in different ways. And as you guys develop this kind of online empire out there is most people, or when I was younger, I used to think the whole point of business was making a sale so I can make some money. Mm -hmm. I've since learned that the whole point of business, the longer term value of business, isn't making that first sale. The whole point of business is only making a sale so that you can earn yourself a customer, which is someone who trusts you. Yeah. And if you have that, you can sell to them with integrity and sell mm -hmm. stuff they need over and over yeah. and over again. So the purpose of you, you you know, you're so good at making that initial sale. Yeah. The reason I say that you want to follow up with customers, mm -hmm. I use, you know, it makes you nervous. No, that, that's that why I'm say implementing that. the people, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, is that because 
the long-term value that you're building is your relation. You are naturally good at making relationships with people. Mm -hmm. You said you're going to go into the coffee shop and talk to somebody and you're going to go everywhere. I feel yeah. like everywhere you live, everybody knows Carlo Batara and everyone's yeah. like, that's oh, Carlo. I know Carlo. Yeah. And they have stories about Carlo. Some they want to share, some they don't want to share. I'm just joking. Yeah, no, but, it's true. Um, Probably. But if you just transfer that into your thinking in your business mm -hmm. is that you're just doing that online with people that you don't know and yeah. you want to maintain that relationship with them. So the follow-up, don't think of it as like work. It's really just like, hey, how do we all keep in touch? Yeah, it's you know? true. It's like true. The, and, and offer a way to all keep in touch. Yeah. And that follow-up is going to earn you the proper way. Yeah. Repeat sales in business. Yeah. That, no, you're that's right. That's where I'm coming from. And, and, I, and I can just see that you're so good at making that initial sale. If you can yeah. layer on that, sky's yeah. the limit. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I've learned from you guys, from you and Nick, like, and that's why like you guys both have different styles and different personalities. And I use both of them to my advantage in the sense where it's like, um, yeah, you guys both, you guys both tell me different things, but say the same, mean the same thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, got it. Yeah. And, uh, which I always resonate with, like, um, basically, Tom makes me feel like everything's going to be all right. And Nick's more like, stop fucking around. <laughs> Get shit done. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, but uh, you need that. We're going to need to bring you back at some because we I want to hear the evolution of yeah. the podcast, your online presence. Yeah. Like we need to talk in another three months, six yeah, months, nine for months sure. to, to, to kind of bring full story here. Yeah, because it, it's it's. It's kind of just going basically wave. I feel like you're serving this surfing this other wave and I want to I see am. how long this wave lasts. It's going crazy. Right? So like uh, how much time do we got? No, we're good. Okay, cool. So just like how I don't really know what's what's happening is I'm a big believer now more than ever to um, just do shit you like doing because so when I got hurt, I started I got a, I got invited to speak at schools way back and I just never did it. I was like, eh, I don't see any value for myself in there. And then when I got hurt, you know, going back to like what I like doing and speaking and shit. So I started accepting these uh, invitations to speak at schools. Spoke at Guelph Humber and the reception was insane. And I was like, I was actually blown away when I walked into the school. I was like, what the fuck? There's many people go to school. And I was like, this is insane. There's this many people in this school and um, spoke at this class. I don't even know what it was about. Like, I don't know the name of the class. Um, just know the prof. And literally going remember when you asked like how do i find these people people stood up in the middle of me talking was like yo i want to work for you for free and i'm like for really and then i was like holy shit this is actually insane but i didn't that wasn't my intention ever it was just me speaking sharing what i've done yeah it's sharing your energy man sales yeah. is an energy exchange you're sharing off good energy people are buying into that energy mm -hmm. and they want to be with you so I don't know how to teach that. I don't think you can, right? Mm -hmm. And But then I'm terrible at follow-up. So I need more of those people that can implement the follow-up. Uh, and then instead of buying dumb shit like I used to, um, I'm trying to spend it on people and uh, and partnering with the right people or spending the money on people instead of Yeezys and shit and, uh, and cars and, and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I just and, and and I know you've said that recently a few times, and I just got to share the story for for some people who just meet myself and Nick now. Yeah. And we talked about this the other day. They'll yeah. look at like the car that we're driving. Like I currently mm -hmm. drive a new X5 uh, hybrid, so I can get in the HOV lane. Um, and Nick has a, a brand, brand new BMW as well. Yeah. But neither of us care about that stuff. And it wasn't yeah. until very recently Nick was driving still a, a rusted Honda Civic. Yeah. And I had a nicer car just because we were driving people around and we thought we should have one nice car. Otherwise, people might just judge us. Yeah, yeah but totally. But in and of itself, we didn't care. We just invested all, our, all, all our money back into properties and back yeah. into the business because we thought that had the long-term value. Yeah. These cars and stuff, 
I don't know what it is. I could care less. Yeah. Like it means nothing to me. So that's uh, where I'm at now. I'm trying to do more of that. And then I um, think that's wise because that yeah. will that will allow you to have all the cars you want in the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So here's what's even crazier. So then I spoke at one class. One of the teachers told one of the students told like one of their profs. And now I'm speaking. I spoke at like four now. And then I got invited to speak at Ryerson and uh, Centennial. I don't even know. Where what do they bill are. you as? Here's the guy who didn't go to school. Who <laughs> I don't know. Work. So I literally had students come up to me and be like, holy shit, I've been in school for four years. You're the best guest speaker I've but ever seen. But what's the name of the talk? There's no name of the talk. This is There's Carlo Batara? Because apparently... Talking about his life story. I don't even know. So like, I, I don't know this because apparently students in school get guest speakers all the time. And so the way people have um, labeled it is like he's is just a real entrepreneur. He's going to uh, speak. Oh, got it. Cool. And then, okay. Um, and explain like his story. And uh, so what I do at the talk, it's just so there's relevance, because when I spoke at the Entrepreneur Summit, I had no idea that I had to come up with some stuff. Yeah, that ended up being a great talk. It was. And wasn't it great that you guys went through the effort of putting yeah. that together? That, that was, was a killer talk. The reception there was insane. It, it, was, it was awesome. It, it, it made me, almost made me cry. I was like, holy shit, this is insane. It was good. And uh, so what I do is I just sit in the class and then I talk, I mean, I listen to what the, the prof is talking about. Then I resonate it back to the students in a way that makes sense, it's more relevant than what the textbook says. And that, that's when they're like, holy shit, this actually makes sense. And then I'll say like, this is how you use it for business and uh, or whatever it is you wanna do. And that's why I think like the reception was crazy because I'm not just making shit up. I'm like, hey, yeah, you remember you're this? going and doing it. Yeah, and then I'm, and I'm going like, hey, this is what the prof talked about. This is actually how it's relevant in today's market or in, in today's world of building a business. And, um, or building whatever business you want or helping people out or whatever. And um, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, you're a real entrepreneur surfing yeah. your way through life. <laughs> and we, uh, we're all, uh, we're all f- having fun watching yeah. it. So um, hopefully, um, yeah, and here's another, just the stories just don't end. Like I was at a party on Saturday, like a house party. And uh, yeah, I was pretty intoxicated. And then I, I was like, I'm just gonna pass by. I don't wanna spend a lot of time here. Then I ended up staying there till like, I don't know, three in the morning. and. At that place, I got invited by two business owners to speak to their kids and uh, privately in their neighborhood, and they're both going to pay me. It was really weird. And I was like, no, I'm not going to go. Like, I don't want to do it. And they're like, no, we're paying you. And then, so they won't leave me alone right now. That was, Why do they want you to talk to their kids? Just about like their kids are struggling in some way? They um, they feel like their kids are spoiled. Got and it. they didn't grow up like that. And okay. they're like, we, we want, we also, remember all the stuff that I talked about at the summit? where like there's all these other opportunities that parents don't know are available. And uh, so that was yeah, part we, of it. We, yeah, and so we do need to bring you back. We haven't talked about Twitch. Is it Twitch? Yeah, Twitch. We haven't talked about Twitch. We haven't talked about e-sports. like esports or any of that stuff. Yeah, and even just like the attention you can get online. Uh, and then we didn't even talk about like the the social channels. Like I started building up my personal brand or we started building up my personal brand as well. But we have these other niche markets to sell physical product to as well. Um, instead of like the data-driven stuff, that's like the baby in the office stuff. I'm also building out a brand, uh, different brands. Yeah, different brands in different niche markets that have genuine interest in it, like marijuana. And uh, I don't remember what else we have. I always lose track because there's too many right now. And okay, so we are, there is more to talk about. Yeah, but for, for sure. For today, let's wrap it here. You shared cool. a lot of stuff. What is the best? Is it so Erday? Is it going to be your Erday.ca is yeah. the best place? Do you want to hand out anything else out, like an Instagram um, handle? Yeah, my Instagram handle, all my socials, Instagram, Facebook. It's Carlo Batara. And Batara is B A T. No, B A T A R A. Sorry, B A T A R A. Carlo Batara. Why did you look like you're just rapping? 
Sorry? You look like you're just about to bust a rhyme. Right? Really? Yeah. You're I don't look like a rapper at all. <laughs> no. But, uh, okay, cool. Well, yeah, so on Instagram. basically all the social stuff, Carlo Batara. Yeah. Pretty active on Instagram right now. And then just going to start sharing a bunch of stuff because I've been doing a lot of talks um, and sharing tips and stuff. And the podcast is going to be really cool because we've I've already been giving people free advice that I would that I normally give until we started the media company. And, and then, uh, but yeah, so that's it. Carlo Batara. Instagram. Yeah, awesome, man. Thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. No we'll problem. do this again. Thanks, bro. Cool. Appreciate it. See ya. Peace. Hey, everyone. It's Tom Kradza. So hopefully you enjoyed that talk with Carlo. As I mentioned, he's a good guy. Um, and hearing someone's story and how they're carving out their path is always inspiring and interesting to me. So remember, if you want any other information or any other similar stories like that, or maybe not similar, I don't know if anyone can be actually similar to what Carlo has been through. Um, but you can pick up the Your Life, Your Terms book, The Steps Canadians Are Taking to Live Life on Their Terms, a free digital copy at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. Um, and depending when you're listening to this, we're l releasing this episode uh, we're kind of right in the middle of the summer. Um, we do have some episodes coming out in the summer. Nick and I might take one while we're in Croatia. We, there might be a one or two week little break in the middle where we're not releasing anything and just en enjoying ourselves on the Adriatic coast. Um, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. So until next time, your life, your terms. <laughs>